And welcome, everyone. This is now the 13th, lucky 13 episode of the Army of Smartness podcast. I am, of course, your co-host, Ryan. And with me, as always, Mr. JD. JD, how are you, sir? Well, as we're bearing down on Halloween here, then I guess 13 number comes up pretty pretty important. We got uh, horror movies. We got a uh, 31 nights of Halloween. Are you keeping up with your horror movies tonight? Every I'm on a horror movie every night. Are you, are you still doing that? Yes, sir. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, tonight I'm planning on watching Halloween Ends, which of course was filmed in the lovely city of Savannah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. off of uh, Duffy Street, actually. I, a friend of mine at my workplace uh, was an extra, an, an extra in the production of that, and uh, he told me what the alternate endings were and he's like those are all better than the actual ending so enjoy that well if there is ever any competition that wrestling marks have it's going to be horror marks oh yeah horror super fans it's uh, there it's generally first of all it's generally the same people and well, also star trek let's not forget that well star trek is well yeah but yeah horror and cupcake wars horror movie uh horror movie fans have uh have girlfriends but uh anyways but yeah so this is uh yet another episode lucky number 13 uh speaking of 13 and horror movies uh ted white uh who played jason Voorhees in the friday the 13th part four uh he just recently passed away this past week so rest in peace he was 94 years old i believe yeah i saw where he was in his 90s oh my god seriously he's a world war ii veteran did uh stunt doubles for uh clark gable for john wayne uh you know you name it he did it basically uh uh, jason wasn't shit to him he'd seen some real scary stuff well, well you know actually starting off he hated friday the 13th part five i mean he, he just or four he uh he just was not a fan and then he he kept getting invited to these horror conventions and started making money doing the horror conventions so now he just loved it <laughs> and so, uh you know you can't blame the guy there but uh rest in peace he's really at the top <laughs> of uh i'm actually a big fan of friday the 13th series myself and he's uh really the one of the better jasons of the series that's not named kane hotter right i was gonna say kane hotter is kind of the iconic uh jason yeah but uh anyway so rest in peace ted and uh moving on we of course want to uh welcome everybody and and plug our socials here we're on facebook at army of smartness twitter at army of smartness and of course we have an email army of smartness at gmail.com please send us your comments your good comments your nasty comments so long as you comment that's all we ask for today we're talking about in your house four which happened on october 22nd 1995 so we are coming up on the however many years that is uh anniversary several 20 28 27 years uh it took place in winnipeg manitoba canada and uh winnipeg friendly manitoba as vince will not stop saying in this broadcast yeah friendly manitoba but uh don't you know but uh before we get to that we're just going to talk about a few headlines here uh we failed to mention last week that uh bray wyatt the aka the fiend (laughs) is back he comes back and he's got the 
five different characters that he had played in there that were part of the Funfly Firefly Funhouse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was a pretty good uh, debut, a huge pop. Oh, massive pop. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's, we talk about a road warrior pop in our previous <laughs> episodes. And, buddy, that, that, that is a pop right there. Uh, he also had a promo on SmackDown this past week that I felt was pretty good as well. It came, it was just Bray. Uh, wasn't really sort of a character and he got very emotional and I, I could really feel it. So uh, I'm interested to see how the, uh, the WWE goes forward with Bray, but please don't mess this up guys. Please don't. Mm. Uh, Cause we need, we need strong characters and there's very few of those left. So I, I am interested personally to see how the uh, presumably new look Wyatt family, presumably there will be one. And the, the Judgment Day will coexist in the same sort of spooky space, although the Judgment Day appears to have gone off into the side road of more of the S&M portion of the, uh, of the underworld there. Yeah, so no, great to see Bray Wyatt back. <clears throat> Interesting. I, th- I thought the, the return was good. It was well done. Except it just took a little bit longer than I would have liked. But overall, not bad at all. Uh, I enjoyed, you know, sort of seeing the, you know, reminiscing with our friends, uh, the buzzard and the bunny and the, uh, uh, was it Huskus, the pig? Um, Yeah, so I'll be interested to see if if we get any fiend at all, if it's going to be more the Waylon Mercy-esque Bray Wyatt, which is, you know, is my favorite iteration of the character. I enjoyed the the cult leader, uh, Bray Wyatt, the you know, hillbilly cult leader, the uh, swamp people. Cool. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that more of a dirt road warrior. If yeah. going to be, going to be interesting to see if Bo Dallas comes back in this. Well, We've heard they've signed him. Correct. Is that, do I have to have that right? I've read a couple of different uh, dirt sheets that says uh, that he is indeed coming back. It, it would make yeah, sense. Yeah. I mean, they pushing as they're pushing as I uh, believe wife, uh, live, <laughs> uh, live Morgan. Oh, are they married. Look at them. Uh, I know that they're living together, and uh, I don't know. No, well, 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 let's not go casting aspersions on their characters and say they're living in sin at the holiday. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's give them the benefit of uh, the doubts there and say they're they're lawfully wedded. They may very well be. I know they have a yeah, farm. So. They have a farm down in Florida. Uh, farming seems to run in the uh, the Wyndham uh, family there, the Rotunda I, yeah. family. If I think they wrestle in order to farm. As a matter of fact, I believe Barry Wyndham has one down in Clinch County. Uh, yeah, he's so. got a lot of uh, Homerville, Homerville area. He, yeah. he was a fairly large landowner. Yeah. So there's uh, rumors that uh, actually Matt Cardona is going to be the next one to come back. Uh, there's a lot of interest in, appears to be a lot of interest, according to Wrestling Inc., that Chelsea Green, his girlfriend, or excuse me, now they're married. They are married. They, they, they are, are married. 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 I know that because there's a micro brawler out there that <clears> says so. <throat> and <laughs> but uh there's rumors that um perhaps the the thousand dollar broski is gonna come back. So we'll uh we'll see how that is that I know he was uh he's really I, I'd say for somebody that was that went from WWE and was on the indie scene, Matt Cardona has just stayed busy. Oh yeah uh, and well, he and Cody kind of proved pre AEW. Cody kind of proved it could be done. Yeah, <clears throat> they and, were, and you know they didn't need WWE. And uh, the PWI has him ranked thirteen. 
so he's well, ra- he's ranked higher than Brock Lesnar. <laughs> a lot of higher. confluences here on this episode. So thirteenth uh, episode, and yeah. he's ranked thirteen, and I got the number thirteen tattooed on my neck. Oh, that's not that's a different that's a song. Yeah. So Gallows and Anderson also returned uh, this past week to help out AJ Styles. Uh, I know some people are perhaps not the biggest fans of them. I think that they're a good tag team. Uh, yeah, I don't really understand the uh, the hatred. I mean, clearly, they love the business. Uh, if you've you know watched them for any <clears throat> appreciable length of time, uh, one thing I thought was really awesome. I assume it's migrated to, to Peacock. I don't know, but on the WWE Network, there was the Southpaw Regional Wrestling kind of a parody show of a you know local independent promotion uh, from back in the day, and they played. Um, they played a pretty big role as a uh, Chad too bad. And, um, Oh God, what was the other one? Anyway, they were just ridiculous, like over the top Southern local territory wrestlers. It was great. So I, mean, I, I have a lot of time for them. Um, and I'm glad to see them back and in the big time. Yeah. Corny doesn't, but I think Corny's got some kind of personal vendetta with them. I uh, think the great Brian last doesn't like them more than Corny doesn't like them. Yeah. I mean, but to be yeah. fair, I wish I liked, I wish I loved anything as much as Cornette hates everything. So, yeah, you know, I, and God knows I love Cornette, but uh, yeah. So <clears throat> take that with a grain of salt or mustard or say it's salt, eat salty and take it with some mustard. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. This seems like as good of a uh, place as any to go ahead and apologize to our listeners. I am all effed up on the cold medicines. Um, so if I'm even more rambling and incoherent than normal, that's why also if my voice gives out, that's not just due to popular demand. That's because of the sore throat. Well, you know, JD, I believe in you and I don't think that for one minute you're going to be dumbed down at all because we are about to talk smart. We're going to talk as smart as we can. We're going to keep it fairly succinct this week for the aforementioned reasons. And actually, uh, this term will come up a little bit later in our review of in your house for the term we'll be discussing today is the gorilla position and that's right you will not find that in your kama sutra you will in fact find it backstage at a wrestling show uh it is the area right before one exits the backstage area through the curtain and it's generally where the time keep the time is being kept um bruce pritchard is often back there it's my understanding these days in wwe keeping try keeping time or has in his uh illustrious WWE career, but it is so named for Gorilla Monsoon, who would sit there and do and basically have the run sheet and tick things off and keep, keep time. And uh, <clears throat> it said he had a few little uh, signals he would give at house shows when people were running over time. He'd step out from behind the curtain and adjust his tie or flip his pencil or something to that effect. And that would let the wrestlers know that it's time to let's wrap it up. That was their Oscar music wrap up um, there. So the gorilla position was first named that, obviously, in WWF at the time. Uh, it has since um, sort of migrated to other promotions. Uh, in other uh, promotions that were active at the same time, it was called the Go position, I think, in TNA, uh, and the Jody position for Jody Hamilton uh, in WCW, at, where Mr. Hamilton uh, performed the same basic role as gorilla. But it's kind of just entered common usage as the gorilla position, again, right behind the curtain. And again, look for that uh, on this review if you're watching along with us, as I know all of you like to play along at home. But that was today's Talking Smart. Yeah, the uh, 
gorilla position is what did they call it when gorilla was there it was just yeah i think just backstage i don't, I don't really backstage. i don't know that I, I don't know if it had a particular uh name but i do know they made like a plaque that they keep uh at, yeah. at you know when they travel that they travel with and it's the gorilla position yeah. uh may have just been the timekeeper's table or may have just been backstage i don't know what they called it prior to that yeah but uh gorilla monsoon is uh, one guy that just garnered <clears throat> so much respect in in this business and uh real, real <laughs> his real his real first name is gino but uh he was gino morella gino morella which is why he could have his uh, luggage monogram GM for both Gorilla Monsoon and Gina Morella. Yes. And of course he had a son named Joey, who was also a ref for the WWF at the time. And unfortunately passed away in a car accident. Yeah. Would uh, that have been in 94? Yeah. I believe right? so. I want to yeah. say it's 94, 95, mid nineties. Yeah. yeah uh, right around this time period. Was travel way, he was traveling home after. A, uh, yeah. He was yeah. traveling home after an event and uh, fell asleep at the wheel <clears throat> and i, th- I want to say that he had Har- he had uh, bruno with him harvey whippleman oh yeah downtown bruno yeah mm-hmm. i want to say that he had him with him he appeared he is background character in a lot of um you know high profile wrestling uh stories and, and from what i could tell well i was heard an all-around good dude it's my understanding through i think jr and Cornette have both mentioned this that downtown bruno would send uh giant gonzalez uh, yeah his family money um uh, after his his career and bruno who's uh harvey Wilkman, <laughs> we were talking about he actually lived in a trailer park and uh that was when the rock first came on to uh to wrestle for the wwf at the mm-hmm. time uh, that's who the rock stayed with and he <laughs> there's actually a pretty pretty yeah, neat right pretty neat little uh story where the rock actually buys bruno a, a truck and now and uh they tell a story about bruno buying the rock his first vehicle for 50 bucks from a crackhead as a matter of fact it was a thunderbird and nice. they they got they they bought the 50 bucks for the crackhead the crackhead wanted to sell it for 100 he said no i'm gonna give you 50 and the reason they wanted to give him 50 because i know the crackhead's not going to come back tomorrow and get the other 50 <laughs> and they got a couple miles down the road and here's something in the back well there's another crackhead in the back sleeping <laughs> and so well, they bought pulled, the car how you saw it i don't know what to tell you it's heavy at mtor sorry you say yeah I bought, I bought this from your buddy <laughs> you got to get out so but uh anyways that, that uh video is on youtube if any of you guys That's ever want to look that up but it's a it's a really nice story but yeah um a lot of um a lot of good stories about harvey whippleman absolutely but this brings us to our main event in your house four happened on october 22nd 1995 in friendly winnipeg manitoba canada Uh, there are 10,339 people in attendance actually pretty well attended for this uh event uh well, yes, yeah, this is October in Manitoba. This is why you can still drive on the roads. So people came out to see this. It's good. Well, and also they, WWF promoted the hell out of this one locally. Uh, they only did 90,000 pay-per-view buys. This is the lowest buy rate in WWE history of the pay-per-view era. 
uh, when I say per pay-per-view era, we're going to just safely assume around 1987, 1988, uh, to through the uh, early 2000s. But it's, uh, and, and once you look at the card, you'll sort of realize why there was not a whole lot of buys on this. There just was not a whole lot on this card to get excited about. And not only that, but the in your house at this point was sort of seen as a glorified raw or i guess later you could say smackdown but uh it, it was not uh, they, they did not push it as a pay-per-view as they would say uh, wrestlemania of course or SummerSlam or anything like that it was just sort of seen as a second tier or third tier so we uh we of course open this pay-per-view up and we have Johnny wilson singing oh canada mm -hmm. um I could not find anything on her. I assume this spot did not skyrocket her career. And yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. After um, our home and native land, I put it on mute. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do that anymore. Yeah, I, I just, I have Too no much idea. vibrato. You could tell us that mid '90s era after the, middle, the whole Millie Vanilli thing, where everyone thought they had to accept their Grammys in three different octaves to prove they could sing, and exactly. everyone's trying to do this vibrato. You're, you're not Whitney Houston. Don't. It's just not. She can do it. You can't. Yes. Sorry, now, Tony. Now, to put things in perspective, this is happening uh, just two weeks after an infamous brawl in Syracuse, New York, that featured Davy Boy Smith, Sean Michaels, and the One Two Three Kid. Uh, long story short, what happened in this situation is that Sean, at this point, is off the rails, got very drunk, and was on some somas. Mm -hmm. uh, shows up at this bar, and starts hitting on this stories uh, differ but yeah go ahead well <clears throat> uh, this is more or less coming from Meltzer so we'll just we'll just say it's at least half true uh but this is uh coming so Sean shows up at this bar and he's got David Boy and Kid with him and Sean is intoxicated badly they all are and Sean is hitting on this young lady there well the young lady apparently has a boyfriend or ex-boyfriend really again uh, stories don't, differ don't really know and the boyfriend or ex-boyfriend happens to be a soldier marine so, I believe. yes and he uh long story short tells him to back off sean tells him to f off and the soldier or marine and his buddies who are also soldiers slash marines go outside and wait on michael's and baby boy and kid to leave the owner of the bar is actually a uh, friend of i guess all of them uh, a lot of wrestlers tend to go to his bar after the shows and the owner of the bar tells one of his girls there to please <coughs> take take them to their hotel and well long story short she attempts to take them to their hotel soldiers show up and they just beat the ever-loving hell out of Sean. Mm -hmm. And Davy Boy and One Two Three Kid are in the back of a two-seater. Now, to put things in perspective, David Boy Smith is a big bastard. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, One Two Three Kid. I mean, Sean Waltman is six one. I mean, we we see him as a short guy, but compared but by to wrestling standards, else, he's small, especially nineties WWE small. standards. But standards. but for a two-door Thunderbird, he's kind of big and. Not only that, but 
once the um, Michaels is taken out of the, he's actually riding in the front seat. And those two are in the back. Michaels is snatched out of the car, beat the hell and back and actually got his head slammed in the door uh, uh, several times by these soldiers before Davy boy could actually get up there and do anything about it. And so uh, actually Sean Waltman, a one, two, three kid got out, tried to help. And he's just as intoxicated as Sean is. And he just falls down. Uh, so it was a big mess. They end up going to the hospital. Michaels has two black guys, uh, has a torn eyelid and he's bleeding from his ears. Uh, that's what you just call an old fashioned ass whooping. Uh, yeah, it's a, a real beat down. Now, yeah, the story I hear and I've heard over the years is there may have been one Marine. There may have been three Marines or may have been six Marines. There may have been nine up to nine Marines. What I, I have heard. So one somewhere from one to nine Marines, let's call it one D eight plus one Marines. And then, um, Davy boy Smith, the car is one of those where, yeah, the car, the, front seats fold down to allow ingress and egress from the back seat and david boy said it's stuck in the back seat and can't get out um <clears throat> so sean um by all accounts deserved something maybe not this much but uh but yeah uh, you would think this would have learned him it apparently doesn't but uh yeah this was and even sean is very clear about this in more recent days this was it during his dark time um he, he was uh a different person than, than the man we know today and so yeah we've got a he totes a whooping here and t- for two weeks later he still looks like shit when yeah. he comes out to the ring he looks awful so uh, does, can't imagine what he looked like that night does not look very good at all well his one eye is still bloodshot i mean it's awful yeah yeah and it uh yeah it, it was <clears throat> going to be very bad had the company chose to or Sean chose to pursue charges on this uh, because the soldier or Marines attorney actually sent a letter to Mr. McMahon saying that, uh, you know, he's going to bring up steroids. He's going to bring up all this stuff, you know, that may have may or may not have been a contributing factor to this. And you certainly don't want Sean Michaels who at this point, I mean, you know, he's going through a rough time, but he's also getting pushed to the moon and it's just not a good look uh, for all that to come out. So the company and Sean and Davy Boy and One Two Three Kid decided not to pursue any charges on that. So yeah, we're talking about Sean Michaels a year removed or a year prior to his boyhood dream coming true, if I'm not mistaken. That's in '96. Yeah. It yeah. really hit the start of his first big big run main event run with the company uh, of course he would come back in 2000 in the early 2000s and have, have another um but yeah you don't want him you can't lose him you can't lose brett at this point um as we will we will see in a year's time uh you can lose razor and diesel and, and still make it but uh but yeah you don't want to lose to you know one of those big time players that you've really pinned a lot of your future hopes on exactly so anyways, this takes us into our first match, which is Fatu versus the Connecticut Blue Blood Triple H. With the British Hunter, accent for some Hunter Hurst Helmsley. Now this is pre-Sultan Rikishi, aka Fatu. Uh he has a very 90s look with his bright colors on his jacket coming to the ring, but his ring attire looks just like his head shrinker attire. 
uh prior to obviously him coming out this fa two he he or fa two the 90s rapper singer whatever gimmick he was trying to push on this Cross one colors, yeah he was a uh, part of the head shrinkers which is basically a takeoff on the wild samoans uh, which they're all part of the same family so you could obviously see it's not so much of a take on his samoan background his this new gimmick here is really more of a hip-hop vibe uh yeah it's kind of <clears throat> you have it right here as sort of the proto rikishi that we would come to know with too cool uh as he's making his entrance my wife said is that rikishi man he got big later I was like, yeah, no, I'd say that's that's half of him that's that's half of him yeah <laughs> so uh they bill him at 299 here and i guess i could believe it but you know in a couple of years and you see him come back whoo that ass is being backed up um oh. at that time yeah, but there was absolutely no slowdown in the ring he was just as fast know, as, he, one no, as, as he was, was when he was you know 450 remarkably so. agile yeah yeah but, and i actually showed uh, when it takes a while here because uh, we get a jump start to the match where Fatu, uh, you know, starts wailing on, I can't say Triple H, Hunter Hearst Helmsley at this point, not Triple H quite yet, uh, while he still has his riding jacket and tuxedo shirt on. And but when he finally gets it all, gets all that off, like now look at Triple H. Now he's big for a normal guy, but that is tiny for Triple H. Yeah. It's crazy to go, to go back and look at that now. Yeah, he was. He's actually probably about the same size as he is now, like present day, right now. Yeah, it, it's really not until he gets into his game gimmick that he just becomes mm -hmm. this rocked up, just massive human being. Still wouldn't want to mess with him though. Uh, prior, actually, no, he prior, looks great. like I said, he looks like real person big, like he's at the top end of real person in shape. I believe prior to this, he was a bodybuilder, and so yeah, that was his I, main I'm wondering, thing. I, I think he may have actually trimmed down. Uh, at this point because i i, I want to say i remember seeing uh his bodybuilding pictures and he looked like a rocked up hulk hogan uh well yeah i mean uh if you watch his um the a and e uh, heroes and legends whatever they call it i don't remember it's the wwe series of biographies uh it shows him in his weightlifting uh you know powerlifting prime with his feathered hair and it, it looks pretty ridiculous it, it's pretty awesome but uh, uh yeah no, he, he was a big power lifter uh that was would you main. would you would you say it looked uh terrorizing i was terrorized i'll tell you that much <laughs> so. uh but honestly pretty decent match overall no, nothing uh I, i'm not offended at this one yeah uh, it's funny to go back and watch because i mean you know we just talked about how good rikishi would be in the ring and triple h obviously is an all-timer or would become so it's funny to see them like they're just off just a little bit off and it's just lack of uh repetitions at this point yeah. of course they're, they're definitely going to get there but it's always in a way sort of gratifying to see oh people aren't born knowing how to do this it's a learning process and, you, and you're seeing that here yeah and so yeah triple h hits the pedigree after a, <clears throat> a miss splash uh and Triple H gives his best regal impression after the match, as we stated earlier. He has a British accent from Connecticut. Sure. Uh, yeah, well, he's coming off his blue blood run here uh, from WCW, and that's basically what he brought into um, WWF, but just transitioned it from presumably England to uh, New England. Yes, and this, uh, after his little promo there, in comes Henry O. Godwin, uh, who is an actual pig farmer, by the way? 
And well, they say the best uh, gimmicks are, are just the real person turned up to 11. Hey, the goblins were over. Oh, they, yeah. They, uh, they, the crowd gets by, a huge pop here. The, uh, you know, the slop drop gimmick, I'm, I must say, it made me smile. And now this actually will lead to their uh, Arkansas, I believe it's the Arkansas hog pen match. Yeah, I remember there's a hog pen match. I don't remember where they uh alleged it's from now i know they say that the goblins themselves are from morgan's corner arkansas as that was also the uh build hometown of uh Haysax calhoun if i'm not mistaken bitters arkansas i think but uh anyways well, who was from morgan's corner uh i don't know uh, they, I'm i just I, I remember in that match that uh jerry the king lawler just tells like 20 jokes in a row about bitters arkansas uh, uh whatever yeah um haystacks calhoun build from morgan's corner arkansas as were the godwins if i'm not mistaken hmm. well maybe they moved <laughs> the well, you know it could, they could have gone clamp it style you know what you're right bitters arkansas but there was somebody else that was uh billed from morgan's corner i don't remember who it was now all right go ahead it's not Sid, was it? No, Sid was from Texas. No, it was from wherever he wants to be or whatever, wherever he damn well pleases or something like that. Yeah. But anyways, after the match, we have a, a Cornette promo with Davey Boy and <laughs> Corny doing what Corny do, making money right there. He he just didn't have what I would call good. He didn't have good chemistry with Davey Boy. I, I, I just, I didn't feel, I didn't feel that Davey Boy was really buying into it. Uh, Corny, of course, did everything that he could to make it happen, but mm. unfortunately, I just never really bought into that. Um, not only that, but you've got Bret Hart's actually going to be doing commentary on his match later, and I, I don't know. It's just not be lining up. It feels like a filler match, like the whole whole way. Now, that may be hindsight talking, but it just looks like um, a stop along the way for for Diesel here. I don't think we – I don't know that anyone really thought that Bulldog was a, a contender, a threat to take the belt away in this match. Well, yeah, I mean, you'd think if he was a contender, the buy rate would have been higher. But, right, and then, then I think that partially explains the buy rate, yeah. But, yeah, not a, not a good buy rate. So up next, we have the Smoking Guns versus Razor, Ramon, and One Two Three Kid. And – uh, Daddy Ass, aka Billy Gunn. Billy Ass and the Ass Boys. And what appears to be the legit bad, baddest man in the locker room, uh, Billy Gunn, uh, are taking, are take, or uh, Bart Gunn, excuse me, uh, are taking on uh, Razor and Kid. Uh, Razor is actually scheduled to take on Dean Douglas for the Intercontinental belt later tonight. So it's almost a guarantee that he won't win the tag strap. Uh, I do like Razor and Kid's entrance with their when they get to the ring. Uh, you've got the one, two, three lights coming up on the backside right there with the Razor uh, pyro draining down. I think that's that was a good look. And well, like you they know, had uh, coordinating. Uh, uh, I don't say costumes; it makes it sound weird. They had coordinating outfits, so that was good. Yeah, I, I think that that'd be a great two pack. Uh, anyways, Patel, looking at you, yeah, and. Where's Kid, our uh, Razor Ramon Ultimate, by the way? Uh, it's supposed to be coming, I'm told. Oh, it should be coming. All right, go ahead. But uh, anyways, 
kid did a subtle heel move early by pulling down the top rope. So Bart took a bump backward over the top and uh kid tagged in with a lot of quick kicks. Um, long story short, razor hits the razor's edge. A uh, kid wants to get the win. It's like, I ah, tag me in. I want to get it. I want to get it. I want to get it. So razor tags him in and kid goes for a cocky pin. Billy gun reverses it into a crucifix for the win. And kid throws a temper tantrum. <laughs> after the match, uh, which he lost, which I feel, I feel like that's a pretty weak heel turn. Uh, I, I just, well, yeah, it's just, <clears throat> you're going to have a heart. You have a long way to go to make him a heel. Uh, just given the fact he's so much smaller than most of the rest of the roster, as we pointed out, not a small human being by any stretch of the imagination, but on the 1995 WWF roster, uh, he's the, he's the small stack at the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that uh, overall, I think that this is a pretty good match. I I think, matter of fact, the readers of the Wrestling Observer agree that this is the match of the night here, and yeah. it's uh, nothing uh, nothing to get you too excited about. But uh, overall, I, I'd say it was pretty solid. I gave it three stars. Meltzer gave it two and three quarter. Uh, sidebar here: Are the Smoking Guns Hall of Fame worthy? No. You say no. No, I mean, no, come on. My thing is the Billy Gunn is yes. Is Bart Gunn for his work in the brawl for all? Maybe. I'm I'm saying, I'm saying the smoking guns as a tag team. Right. Yeah. I I wouldn't say so. Well, I I don't know. We can't just put everyone that you've heard of in uh, because I mean, I I don't know. It doesn't mean anything. uh, I don't know, dude. They had some really good work. And yeah, they, a lot of te- a lot of people had really good work. But if we're talking about the cream of the cream of the upper crust of the who's who, I mean, I, I just don't see. I, for me, I don't see it. We put the bushwhackers in. I wouldn't have done that either. <laughs> well, I, I'd say if that if that's the bar, are they better than the bushwhackers? Well, yeah, I if say you're asking yes. WWE, yes, they should probably they should probably be in there. If you're asking me, I say no. Uh, you know, if we're going to put the Bushwhackers in, it's a, as their previous incarnation of the territories, as the sheep herders. The sheep herders. Now that the sheep herders, I'll put in the Bushwhackers. Not for me. Not for me. They had some good work. They 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 won the straps. I mean, I I, I don't know. Um, I, I think I, I think I I think I would. I think I would. Let me ask you this: Are the Rockers in? Absolutely. They are. No, no. Are they in? Not asking. Are they actually in? Oh no, I don't think okay. so. Okay, because if they're in, then I think you put the smoking guns in because they never actually won the titles together. No, but I, I mean, I would absolutely put them in. No, I, I would agree. I think I don't think you have to have had the titles, and I don't think having the titles automatically puts you in. I would put in the Rockers before I put in the smoking guns. Well, and technically, so the Rockers did win it. Well, I, yeah, I, I understand but, that on the house show and the road for, broke and all that. That's how we're talking about. For some reason, they are not, they don't a, they are not recognized tag team champions. Yeah. I, I now, here, have... here's the question. Is Dean Douglas, and we'll get into that momentarily, a recognized uh, intercontinental champion? I need to look it up on their, uh, yes, he on their is. website here. Okay, he yes, should he, be. He should yeah, be. And he's, he's officially awarded it. But... He's recognized as having the shortest. Uh, shortest run. Run. Yeah. I mean. Well, spoiler I mean, alert. Uh, Thanks. But uh, anyway, so this is actually a, uh, a historic pay-per-view here, J.D. We've got Marty Jannetty versus the debut of one Mr. 
gold dust. Gold you dust. You were gold dust, so it didn't work as well. Yeah. Crazy how much better she made gold dust. Oh, yeah. She makes us all better, let's be honest. Uh, she, especially 1995, anything that she stands next to is, is going to look better. Looks much, much better. But, uh, really did. JD, you want to take this one? Yeah, so we get a little vignette here of, of Gold Dust, um, you know, doing his gold dusty thing uh, as Marty makes his way to the ring here. Um, Marty, solid hand. You can't go wrong with him as your first opponent. Uh, <clears throat> when you're introducing a new new character, they're going to make you look like a million bucks. Not that Dustin necessarily needs the help, but it's nice that they, they wanted to uh, help him out here. They, you know, We talked about it before. We've talked about it in other matches. This match is less than the sum of its parts. I'm going to say, I mean, just their chemistry is not there. They're both good workers. I mean, I'm not pointing any fingers in that direction. They're both very good workers, but they just, I don't know if they just hadn't worked together much before or there's a communication issue or what was happening. It's just, it's off. Um, the crowd didn't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know how cosmopolitan, um, you know, where are we at? Winnipeg, friendly Manitoba. They're friendly, certainly. I don't know how cosmopolitan they are. They don't know, they, I don't think they knew what to make up gold dust. No, they didn't <laughs> like them. They didn't hate them. They were more confused than anything, it seemed like. Uh, Marty does a fine job in, in, in putting gold dust over here. But like I said, for two talented workers, just not what you would hope for. I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a, a, a thumbs down. I did think it's interesting, though. As Goldust, he wears his robe and his wig down to the, the ring. Um, Marty, you know, jumps the match and knocks Goldust's wig off. And, and I think it's Vince. His hair came off. But, dude, did you not think that was a wig? What? It's the most <laughs> obvious wig in the history of all time. What? What? <laughs> yeah. anyway, it struck me funny. Yeah, I, I think that Goldust, his character is just so revolutionary it's it's really it's androgynous is androgynous but they were I scared think, to say gay let's be honest they were scared to say gay in 1995 yeah and i think that the crowd is really just trying to figure this guy out right is it a, is it a guy i mean there is i tell it's you i tell you i tell you what there's nobody in that arena that thinks that it's dustin Rhodes. no there, that's a good point the it's in and to be honest with you i I think that in a lot of ways dustin felt like the only way he can get out of his father's shadow is to completely do away with the Rhodes name and go into Mm -hmm. something where they cannot recognize him yeah and it was a good move because he did a phenomenal job at this he really did i mean the gimmick you know it would get watered down as time went on yeah but you know he got a massive pop when he came back in with the 2003 royal rumble Got oh, yeah. a massive pop and had a, sec- a good, solid second run with the well, third run really with the company. Uh, second is Gold Dust, uh, and <clears throat> yeah, it was really good. Now, also not the weirdest person in this match. <laughs> uh, and I'm not even talking about Marty Jannetty, which that's a whole other kettle of fish we can get into later. There's a guy in the background that they point out, but before they pointed him out, I'm like is Michael Myers in the, in the crowd? What is somebody wearing a Michael Myers mask? That's what I thought it was. You see this really ashy pale looking dude. Turns out he's dressed as Dracula. Um, 
I think uh, King mentions is Bella Lugosi in the crowd there. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't know what that was about. I don't know if that was just a dude that showed up or if he was supposed to be part of something. I anyway, I legitimately thought it was somebody to Mike My, Michael Myers mask. I don't Mike. Well, Myers. I mean, obviously, it's October twenty second. Uh, Halloween's right, so coming up. But, Halloween's coming up, but no one else is dressed up. But nobody else. This, this is not a costume party. <laughs> but this isn't fancy dress, as our friends across the park the pond but, say. But yeah, I didn't really understand the point. And uh, I mean, it's it's actually like more of a purple face. He, he looked, he really looked more like the Count from Sesame Street. But yeah, I, I didn't really understand that. And again, match had so much potential; it just really didn't deliver. Uh, and you know, for as far as first match is concerned, a lot of people do not remember Goldust's first match. Uh, this, I, I, I did not remember that it was Marty Jannetty until we went and until I watched this pay-per-view again. And then, uh, I was like, oh yeah, it was Marty. And, and, well, and you know, on its surface, if I'm trying to put a guy order over, especially in 1995, I'm looking at Marty Jannetty to do it. Sure. Uh, Cause this is a guy that's going to, going to work well. Uh, he can really sort of work with anybody and he's not got mm-hmm. too big of an ego to, to do the job. Well, he's messed up so many times behind the scenes. He's happy to be there. <laughs> yeah. And so he's going to do what you ask him to do and he can do it well. This is so, like his uh, 12th chance. <laughs> and he's only like halfway through his WWF career. Of the 38 that they gave him. Uh, right. So yeah, he, uh, <clears throat> God bless Marty. And if you want the weirdest follow on Facebook, quite possibly Marty Janetti is your guy. Yeah. He's confessed to at least one murder. Uh, that I know of, and then I think he ran a poll as to whether or not he should bang his stepdaughter. What was that about? Um, oh, anyway, a lot of things going on with Mr. Genetti, that which is why I say, you know, Gold Dust is at worst the third weirdest person in, in this match. Uh, oh, I want to go ahead and throw out my ratings for the previous two, so I didn't, I forgot to jump in on those. Tattoos, Triple H, thumbs down. Spoon guns, razor one, two, three, I'll give a thumbs up. This again, just a little off. I'm gonna give it a th- thumbs down. I mean, not for lack of trying, and not, definitely not for lack of talent. It's just not there. Yeah, I didn't think so either. So, if not for this next match, this probably would have been the worst one on the card. Um, we of course have Yokozuna versus King Mabel. This is two six hundred pound men. This is Yoko at his. Well, I'll say this is probably Yoko at one of his worst getting uh, there points, anyways. What you notice, or at least I noticed, once he stopped shaving, like he just didn't care anymore. It yeah. seemed like to me. Yeah, he. Uh, and it's it's really a shame because Yoko was such a great worker, and, and well liked backstage. I mean, I actually, I want to point this out too. Uh, I meant to point this out in the Fatu match where the BSK. Uh, Beanie, I don't know if you noticed that as he came out, uh, was Fatu. So the Bone Street crew, Yokozuna was a part of that. That was Undertaker's kind of anti-click, uh, because this is a very clicky pay-per-view, uh, with, with, you know, Hunter and Kid and Razor and Diesel and Sean appearing, but not, not having a match. But yeah, Yoko was well liked backstage. I just think, I don't know what, that was yeah. demons, what, you know, that they always say in wrestling, he just was in a bad place. Yeah. His was just, uh, his was apparently a turkey ass. Um, that, that, that was his favorite food. Deep fried turkey ass dipped in mayo, mayonnaise. Yeah. Dipped in mayo. Um, God, we know too much about wrestling. Well, it just doesn't, 
doesn't sound appetizing to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got two six hundred pound men. What could go wrong? Uh, God Almighty, Mabel's got these only four guys. Yeah, they needed two more guys hauling his big ass out to the ring on a throne on the litter and and i know that throne had to be heavy itself well you see it tilting like that it's listing to the right pretty it's listed pretty hard to starboard and they needed two more guys here because i was i was convinced he was going to fall and if i'm mabel i'm not taking that chance i I will just i will because if he falls he can get back up i will walk my ass to the ring (laughs) well mabel's clearly not big on walking uh, but yeah he's big on a lot yeah. of things but he's big on everything else big on viagra and spank, spank provision big, uh, big on, rumor and innuendos to be believed uh, big big on the scale big on <laughs> big on uh his meals uh yeah and and you know the four guys that that are taking him out there uh, they are bodybuilders and They're you can tell boys yeah they, they have to be because i mean that's each of them are squatting 500 pounds each my, my guess is these are guys that were signed to WBF contracts, the World Bodybuilding Federation, and Vince mm-hmm. was sick of paying them, so he's trying to run them off and make them quit by hauling uh, Mabel's large carcass up to the to the ring. Yeah, that's and, my and, guess. I don't have any um, any backup for that, but it, make, it stands to reason. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man, Cornette's getting a getting a good amount of work on this uh, pay per view here. He gives a, yeah. another nice promo for uh, Yoko. And I'll tell you what, there is a promo that Cornette did with Yoko and Mr. Fuji for, I believe it was SummerSlam against, uh, was it Lex Luger? 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 Yeah, that's when just, they, they fought at SummerSlam. Just one of Cornette's best. Uh, and, and you know, got the previous got, got Yoko to tune, uh, come in right there at the end and said, you will know you that you just wrestled the best when you hear the words. And then Yoko comes in, Bonsai! I'm like, oh, God, that's so good. Looking back at it now with adult goggles and, and a little more life experience, how did I ever believe he was actually Japanese? Because <laughs> not at all Japanese. Well, I mean, not even at, a little bit. At this point, I was eight. So I, I, probably... was, I was a more worldly 12 here so uh i I hadn't seen too many japanese people i certainly hadn't seen any japanese that size i well i'd seen more japanese people but i had samoans at this point so um i I, you know maybe i just didn't know what a samoan was but yeah i don't i can't believe i ever thought he was actually japanese but yeah yoko gets a decent pop uh but his health is starting to deteriorate at this point yeah it's a horrible match horrible finish crowd booze um might be the worst match of 1995 and might be the worst match that either man has ever been in. Uh, I don't know why they do the, uh, the later viscera's hardcore career. Well, I don't know why they, they do the stare down and hug after the match. And, you know, Cornette all of a sudden wants to be friends with everybody after they just had this match and cut the promo, which made everything else that they'd done silly and pointless. And, uh, seems like, yeah, it seems like they would have had a, their feel of all that stuff in that five minute match that they just had. Uh, it's just trash to me. And I really hate saying that because I really like Yoko. And, uh, and honestly, I, I think that, uh, uh, Nelson Frazier was uh, pretty decent himself, obviously 
green and big generally don't mix well. Uh, See Henry, uh, comma, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Meltzer gives it negative two stars. I give it zero stars. I just give him the benefit of the doubt. It's, it's just nothing. Yeah, it's it's a it's a thumbs down for me. Yokozuna, obviously, in his prime, a Hall of Famer. Uh, Mabel, the man who would be Viscera. Uh, yeah, there's a spot on the card for for that guy. Uh, you know, he, he's not bad, uh, or would become not bad, uh, but he's not to not bad yet. It really, sort of brings down the rest of the card from here on out. Uh, well, okay. Here's what I think brings down the rest of it. Have we gotten to the point yet where Michael PSAs, a.k.a. Doc Hendricks, is in the background or in the backstage area hawking the horrifying uh, life-size stand-ups, <laughs> telling children yeah. to have Bret Hart watch them sleep? Have yeah, we already we, had that? Yeah, we just passed that. Uh, this whole thing is worth a watch just for that cringe fest. So, sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, you, it, it's just I, I choose not to mention some things. Uh, well, I know I'm amazed they left this in and I'm so happy they did. Please stop what you're doing right now. Subscribe to Peacock if you haven't and go and watch just that. It, and you will stare blankly at your television for 10 minutes afterwards. Like I did like, what the hell just happened to me? Nope. 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 Anyway. Yeah. So, but, uh, this takes us into the legendary Dean Douglas versus razor Ramon intercontinental championship match of course sean michaels has to relinquish the title uh because he is beat to hell and it's awful good lord and uh obviously vince is not a fan of all the negative press they've been getting and so it's best just to take the strap off of him at this point uh so sean yeah if uh if i can borrow a line from eastbound and down if everybody earmuff it for our sensitive listeners it looks like a bag full of mashed up assholes here yeah, basically it looks awful so you know sean walks slowly to the ring and gives up the ic title and dean douglas shane douglas who is dean douglas here is shane douglas is a hell of a wrestler oh yeah excellent and hell of a hand and i just hate that he got stuck with this crap gimmick and yeah. he enters the ring looking like every 80s sports jock villain ever wearing a doink the clown graduation gown see i thought he'd yeah. rifled through the back and found the genius's old wardrobe and was wearing that out to the uh, ring. no even the genius would not be seen wearing this crap and and when sean comes out boy he just got the pure hell beat out of him this is two weeks post ass whooping and he still looks rough well you and, still see like the lines around like under his eye i don't know if there's stitches or what's happening with that but ugh. but anyway he's not a sexy boy right here he surrenders the uh title and your new intercontinental champion is dean douglas briefly uh, briefly well deserved well deserved and well, i deserved longer than that but yeah and so Razor enters the uh, ring to take that belt back for his click buddy, Sean, and mm -hmm. pretty decent pop. I mean, you know, Razor's over here. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And they they proceed to have really more of an old school wrestling match here. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about a minute long hammerlock spot to start off the match. And Razor hits that patented throwaway slam. Uh, Razor really made that move look pretty good. Uh, yeah because he gave sort of the shrug whenever he has somebody and then throws him over his head 
Uh, Shane Douglas is criminally underrated, and it's just too bad that he had that crap gimmick. And the last couple of minutes was significantly better than the first five, 10 minutes of the match, uh, faster paced. And uh, Razor actually hits a choke slam as Shane Douglas comes down from the top rope. Not something that Razor's really known to do, uh, but it's a nice little spot there. Uh, Razor Ramon, aka Scott Hall, has to have some of the best looking working punches. Uh, he's he looks like he's laying them in, but I, I don't think I think it's. it's yeah, I've never known him to be stiff from what I've heard. I don't I don't know, but yeah. uh, but, uh, experience. but they look good. Yeah, Razor gets a dirty win while uh, Dean Douglas's foot is under the rope. Uh, not the biggest fan of the ending, unless that's going to lead to a program with the two, which it didn't. And uh, I give it two and a half stars. Meltzer hated it and gave it one star. I, I thought that it was, I thought it was pretty, pretty good. No, see, I actually, <clears throat> I would argue this is closer to the match of the night than perhaps the tag match was just because, I, you know, like I said, it was kind of an old school match. It built slowly. Uh, but that, there's, that's no crime, especially considering there hasn't been that much real time since Razor was, you know, in a match prior. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> I thought it was a fine match. I'm actually going to give it a thumbs up. Um, yeah, I, I hate to see that this is really uh, Shane Douglas's only run with a run with a belt. Uh, it's not even a brisk walk with a belt. Uh, in, in the WWF, but obviously he was the first ever ECW World Heavyweight Champion. He was the franchise there in, in ECW and would later parlay that gimmick over into WCW. But at, but at that point, WCW didn't matter anymore, but he, he did it, and they could never take that away from him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, I think he got stuck with this gimmick because he speaks very well. He's a very intelligent-sounding speaker. Uh, he, he is, I don't know, I wouldn't say necessarily eloquent, but he, he's clear and concise and kind of moves point A, point B pretty well, which is really, frankly, more than you can say for a lot of folks in, yeah. in wrestling. So I think he, he speaks intelligently enough that they kind of gave him this gimmick and he carries himself as kind of a smart guy. So yeah. I don't know what his formal educational background is, but, you know, he comes across as an intelligent dude. And in this case, that kind of makes against him. He gets a really terrible gimmick. Uh, Shane Douglas is actually a certified teacher. So he, here you go. I mean, it's, it's, it's sort of a takeoff on kind of who he is. Yeah. Was um, he at this point? Yeah. He, he okay. uh, was an English teacher, I believe. Okay. Uh, and then, and then he decided to go into wrestling and not but, the uh, first or the last to do that. Looking your, looking your way, George animal steel. And, uh, what's this guy, the sweater guy, Matt striker. Yeah. And, uh, Spike Dudley. And, yeah. Spike Dudley as well. Yeah. Also an English teacher, uh, Shakespeare. I think was his focus. Yep. And, uh, like I said, not, not the biggest fan of the ending, pretty decent match, but this takes us into Davy boy Smith versus diesel JD. Take it away. <clears throat> well, it's a placeholder match. So I'm gonna give you placeholder commentary here. Um, you know, Davey and we have Brett coming out for, for, um, for commentary on this match. And he astutely points out that, uh, Davey boy is working the leg of, of diesel. I, Actually, let me skip back just a little bit. I said we, this would come up in our in our show here, and here it is. Diesel is very succinctly, let's say, uh, interviewed by Doc Hendricks at the gorilla position, about to come through the curtain. Gives you an interesting look at coming through from the other side of the curtain. Uh, he said, you know, he, basically Doc asked him, "How is he feeling before his match tonight?" And it sounds like he like 
Diesel says, F him. I had to rewind it a few times, but it sounds like maybe he said, I'm feeling funky. I don't know what the point of this was. It didn't come across as a pre-match interview. I don't know what, why this exists. Funky like a monkey. Does. Yeah, not even that good. So, like, <clears throat> it's just a, a waste of 10 seconds. I'm never going to get back. Um, but, no, so Davey working the lower body. Uh, he will later slap on a pair of the world's worst sharpshooters in, in, in history. I, I can't even call those sharpshooters. Um, but, anyway, Cornette, obviously, uh, with Davey Boy being part of Camp Cornette at this point, uh, is at ringside and trying to make the best of this as he can. The crowd's not really with it. Cornette's doing his best to get him into it. He drops an elbow on Diesel's knee and tries to sneak a few more racket shots into the knee. Um, yeah, and as Brett's pointing out on commentary, that's the way to you know cut down a tree like Nash. You gotta you gotta chop down from the bottom there, uh, take his legs out from him. Yeah, Bulldog puts him. It, it says it says here Boston Crab. I think it's theoretically supposed to be a sharpshooter. Even Brett's calling Davy Boy out, saying he better learn to apply it better than that. But he's, you know, trying to take out the legs of Nash. Uh, there's a bit of a, a, a dust up between Davy Boy and Brett as Davy Boy is on the outside at, at the commentary table. And uh, basically he's falling towards the commentary table and Brett try, tries to brace him to hold him up. Davy interprets this as a push, turns around and slaps at Brett. And then that sets up our finish where Brett jumps into the ring and uh, basically tries to beat up Davy Boy. Uh, causing a disqualification win for Davey Boy. So technically he wins the match, uh, but he does not win the title on a disqualification, obviously. Uh, Diesel, none too enthused with Brett's interference, in turn beats up Brett, and that's obviously where this is going to go. It's it's a match that exists. Um, it's not a main event level match in my estimation, but it's it's to plot our trajectory more towards brett and diesel and, and it shows i mean it, this is not a mount match about davy boy and that really couldn't be more obvious yeah so and that, the thumbs down this this whole pay-per-view just sort of works like a raw for me yeah it's, it's a glorified uh, raw it's uh you know schma's finish there at the end uh tune in next week you know I'm <laughs> tune in yeah, next week hell i just paid here I just paid you guys $25. I better get some finality tonight. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Now you can hear someone Shivani fans. We are desperately out of time. The tape machines are rolling. Uh, but anyway. And oh boy. Uh, but yeah, it, it had a lot of potential here. I just think it comes up short. Um, one and a half stars. Meltzer gave it a star. There's nothing wrong with this as the main event of raw to your point. No. Uh, but on, on a, pay-per-view that people paid actual American, well, Canadian and American money for, uh, it, do, it doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, Davey boy has, and has had a lot of good matches. I mean, diesel has some good matches, but yeah, it's always with somebody that can work. It's always with Brett <clears throat> or Sean or Kurt Henning or someone of that nature. It's got Roddy to be Piper. Piper. Uh, you know, those guys that it, 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 it just didn't really work with those two. And yeah, you can have I a just, hall of fame career that way. I mean, that's not a slight, I mean, both of these no. guys are hall of famers and you know, the one we always point to for this is Lex Luger also a hall of famer. And that was him. He, he could be led to a good match, which is more than you can say for a lot of people. So, I mean, it's, it's not a shot or a slight at these guys. It's just, they needed more of a ring general in there. Yeah. 
yeah it just didn't really work all that well so overall this uh, pay-per-view is a dud uh i gave it one star also there was a dark match of brett versus isaac yankum um i don't know why that didn't make pay-per-view because i do well it, okay so j- let's just say it's kane versus brett okay uh, now that Kane versus brett different story let's just say all right yeah but <laughs> i think same that, guy but it's different characters well yeah but i, I say in ring that's got to be pretty that would have been a good one to watch because even the wrestling observer people uh, the ones there were 13 of them that were there and they said that this is the best match so yeah i just i just would have liked to maybe there's some tape of it out there somewhere i I should have taken a moment to try to find it and watch it army of smartness fans if any of you out there have have taped this match ryan would like to see it so send it to us and you'll get a shout out on the next program exactly so uh yeah overall it's a dud i gave it one star the guns match is pretty decent uh shane and and razor was pretty decent the rest of it was just kind of eh. either either terrible or not terribly good as you point out this this is a fine episode of raw yeah um back when raw was two hours it was much better um so yeah this is uh not a not a pay-per-view worthy performance and you know the buy rate showed it yeah and the uh the wrestling observer uh subscribers here give uh 1.3 percent thumbs up (laughs) 95.8 percent thumbs down i don't think i've seen any pay-per-view on either company at this point uh has had such a landslide saying that it is terrible uh and mind you, we have we've watched the the uh, the Halloween Havoc with uh, the Chamber of Horrors match. Yeah, but that that has a, a mystery science theater so bad it's good quality to it. I mean, that, yeah, there's redeeming was, value there. Yeah, this one's just it's so uninspired and just flat. Yeah, it's just flat. Yeah, all the way through. But uh, they also agree that the Smoking Guns versus One Two Three Kid and Razor Ramon is the best match. Uh, Razor Ramon versus Dean Douglas uh, actually comes in second. Uh, so take that, Dave Meltzer. It was better than one star, you idiot. Yeah, Dave. Yeah, Dave, Uncle Dave. But uh, worst match poll, unsurprisingly, is King Mabel versus Yoko. And Gold Dust versus Marty Janetti comes in second. Uh, a very, very, very distant, distant second. second. Yeah. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, this just wasn't. Uh, wasn't the pay-per-view perhaps that they wanted uh, as a matter of fact i do believe vince has said that this is one of the worst they've ever had i think that's pretty fair uh until of course the ecw pay-per-view comes around but uh so yeah anyways uh we're gonna go for the uh the cover the count and the victory on this one jd any parting words on this pay-per-view uh, yes, as I showed you earlier, I am actually wearing the official prototype of the official Army of Smartness t-shirt. We hope to have, to mar- have that to market sooner rather than later. Um, you know, if, if you want to impress the, the Army of Smartness fan in your life, then you definitely want to show up in this and, or you know, show up to your, your wrestling live event of choice. Uh, exactly. We will have those out sometime. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Christmas is coming up guys. So be sure and, uh, 
be sure and uh give us some money because when <laughs> we need to so we, we would enjoy to, having that exactly i would love to get said money and purchase said uh items for myself and my dogs and uh anyways but uh yeah we're we're going to uh wrap this one up tune in next week it's going to be a graveyard smash because we are talking monster heels yeah we're going to be covering some monster heels for everyone uh given our list of uh, who our favorites are uh maybe a rush more on them maybe we just talk about them but uh long story short guys we really do appreciate the support go to our facebook go to our twitter at army of smartness email army of smartness at gmail.com and jd if there's nothing else i will bid our listening audience adieu i do